0: You're listening to the Burke and Ms. The Wiz Montalban Fantasy Football Podcast, where I go to fulfill my fantasy. Football desires with expert opinions, advice, and analysis that you can't find anywhere else.
1: Welcome back to the Burke and Ms. Montalban Fantasy Football Podcast. Today we're talking about the dreaded tight end position. And I say dreaded because usually in a fantasy football season you have, you know, two to four tight ends that are productive, and the rest is just a crapshoot on are they gonna score this week. So um I'm actually intrigued though. I-, I feel like there's a lot of depth this year in tight end, and you can find some pretty good values late, and uh, at, you know, drafting this year, I'm going to be pretty excited about, uh, you know, getting some of those late round jewels. Burke, what do you think about the tight end position?
0: Yeah, I'm with you. The tight ends, I think, you know, tight ends, there's usually a handful that you can count on to be superstars, and then there's, you know, the next group that are just kind of solid contributors. But, uh, you know, at times you're struggling, you know, during waiver pickups and, you know, bye weeks to find a a tight end that you, you hope can catch a touchdown and at least get a couple catches, get at least four points. Um, so, you know, yeah, tight ends can be hard, but uh, I agree with you this year. I think there's some tight ends, there's more depth, and there's some tight ends that could have some pretty big years and in be involved in a, a passing game, you know, more tight ends than what we've seen in previous years.
1: Awesome. And, uh, you know, I, I think our rankings, especially early on, aren't going to be, you know, too, or deviate too far from the norm on what everyone else has. But, At number one, actually I'll do my number one through three because I feel like they're pretty much standard for everybody right now. But uh, number one I have Travis Kelsey, number two I have George Kittle, number three I have Mark Andrews. And I say that, you know, Travis Kelsey is the number one tight end all the way around because he's Travis Kelsey and he's actually been the number one tight end for like the last three years. So it's hard to, uh, to, you know, to, to bet against history. But... I do like George Kittle's situation with the 49ers, you know, with their injuries at receiver. There's not a lot of other options, and George Kittle is their main offensive threat through the passing game anyways, so I really feel like this could, you know, if Kelsey were to drop, um, and and it's a small drop, I think, you know, number two would probably be the lowest he would drop to. The only one that could maybe take over Kelsey's spot of king of the tight end mountain would be uh, George Kittle. And uh, at number three I have Mark Andrews for the Ravens he really came on strong last year the Ravens offense doesn't pass the ball a ton so I I rated him third just because I think volume wise he's not going to get a lot of targets and um, in general he's obviously not at the level of a a Kittle or Kelsey Uh, and Burke who's your top three yeah
0: my top three are the same Kelsey, Kittle, and Andrews
1: Um, you know Crazy, Kittle, this is crazy. With Kittle, I think that
0: there's, you know, there. this could go, he could easily be number one, like you said. Um, you know, some of the upside for him, is, as you articulated, there's not a lot of options in San Francisco in the receiving game. So it's going to be heavy target focus for George Kittle the upcoming year. At the same time, that does provide more opportunity for defense to be able to uh, focus on um, George Kittle and trying to contain him. So, you know, it's, it's kind of one of those things that could go either way. He's going to get a lot of targets, but at the same time, he's going to be facing a little more stiffer defense than, you know, maybe he's had in, in years past. Granted, you know, I think Emmanuel Sanders took off some of the heat when he was there, uh, in San Francisco last year, but he's not been accustomed to having, um, you know, a, a, no receiving threat to take some of that pressure off. But, um, yeah. I think the three that we have are in the right positions. I'll add that Mark Andrews, I agree with you. I think that he's going to have, you know, maybe not, we're going to see some, Regression in the passing totals for Lamar Jackson. Um, but, you know, Mark Andrews, the way that we both think that they're going to run the ball, uh, Mark Andrews has uh, a lot of potential for a lot of touchdowns just based on the play action uh, near the red zone. I think that's somewhere where you can see Mark Andrews, you know, still be very productive at the tight end position this year.
1: Sure. And, you know, with George Kittle, he kind of has a cheat code in, in his schedule because. He doesn't have to play the Cardinals once, he gets to play them twice and the Cardinals are the worst team at least last year in the NFL guarding the tight end position. So, I made a point of emphasis that, you know, whoever was playing tight end against the Cardinals was the guy I would try to start in my lineup or if I was, you know, when I was gambling, that's the uh, tight end I would use for, you know, FanDuel or uh, DraftKings. So, you know, the, I, I
0: think that, I think that's why the Cardinals drafted Isaiah Simmons.
1: I agree with you, and that's what I was about to say, too, is I I don't like to take uh, past statistics on defenses into the new year. And uh, that will be on a later episode in regards to defenses, uh, you know, that you can't really judge defenses. But I I agree. I think Simmons is going to make a big difference. And uh, I think, you know, that contributed to to Kittle's influx in uh, – his receiving yards and touchdowns. Although I think he only played one game against the Cardinals because he was injured for the other one. So uh, Ross Dwelly actually got to uh, be the uh, the uh, the big stud of the week for uh, that the week that he played the Cardinals. Anyways, uh, moving along to uh, number four, five, and six. It's going to be a little bit different between us, but I think we're our hearts are in the same place. I have Evan Ingram at number four for the Giants, and it was. I'm not going to lie, I had to think about putting him at number four. Production-wise, I think he's the fourth best tight end. And with that offense uh, for the Giants, I think Daniel Jones takes a step forward. Evan Ingram was hurt last year a lot. And I think now that he's going to be uh, back healthy, hopefully. um, History's not on our side on that. That's going to be the key component. But if he is, I just feel like he's due to a breakout season. He's a big play threat at tight end. And he actually got a, a lot of targets uh, for the Giants. And so really the only reason why I would hold him back from even that number four spot is because of his injury history. And I don't like to take that in season to season unless it's really consistent. Um, and unfortunately for Ingram, it's been about a season and a half that he's, he's been dealing with injuries. But um, I, I think he could even move past Mark Andrews if uh, is, you know, if he's able to stay healthy and on, after that, I have Zach Ertz for the Eagles. I'm really on the fence about Zach Ertz because no matter what happens, he produces. You know, he has another uh, tight end opposite of him, Dallas Go- uh, Godert. who is was pretty decent. He gets a lot of some uh, of those red zone targets, and you always think, "Oh man, this is going to be a decline for Zach Ertz." Then what happens is the receivers get hurt, and Ertz is their only option, and he, you know, gets all the uh, the targets that a receiver would get. So yards wise, I really like him. I think if you're looking for a consistent person that's going to get a lot of targets and yards, Zach Ertz is the guy. And just that consistency had uh, made me put him at number five, and I'm really comfortable with him there because again, at the tight end position, it's really just a crapshoot from week to week on if you can bank on them getting that touchdown. I do feel, however, that the uh, Goertz going to get some of those touchdowns away from Ertz. Number six, I have Tyler Higby for the Rams. And he's a Boomer Bust candidate for me. I mean, I, I realize that Everett is there, and when they went to the two tight end set at uh, the second part of the season for the Rams, they were really effective with it, and Everett and Higby were pretty productive. Uh, Higby more than anybody. It was amazing how uh, it was a night and day from the beginning of the season to the end. I mean, he was probably he was the top tight end for a three week period there um, when when Everett was hurt. I just feel like with the other weapons they have on offense, you know, Cooper Cup being so good in the slot that you'd hate to take away that option for two tight ends. I'm not sure how that's going to pan out. So I actually would probably have Tyler Higby higher if I knew that uh, he was going to be in a lot more formations in the passing game. What do you think, Burke?
0: Uh, yeah, I got um, like you said, uh, our, our hearts in the same place. I'm um, similar, well, same three players, just different rankings here in this next group. So I have Zach Ertz number four. Um, we were talking earlier about, you know, tight ends that just consistently produce that, you know, you could put in your lineup and it could be productive. Um, we mentioned the three uh, up front, but Zach Ertz definitely is in that group. Um, he's a tight end that, you know, is going to consistently put up points for you and, uh, something you can put into your lineup and not have to worry about the tight end position, which, you know, is, is a, um, a great peace of mind in fantasy football because we've, we've highlighted the struggles with tight ends. Um, so I have um, Zach Group's number four. Um, five, I have Evan Ingram, and for all the same reasons that you mentioned, I have him high, and I think that he has the potential to have a a very, very strong year. Um, you know, I don't want to say breakout because he's always kind of been on that potential, um, you know, and, and showed streaks of, of superstar performance, but injuries have been a concern, and, um yeah, and have, have happened quite a he's bit. He's like the know. big
1: he's like the big tight end tease where you're like, Man, he's gonna rip it up and then he doesn't and then the next year, man, he's gonna rip it up and then you know, injuries and, and, happen and you're like, Stop teasing me, Evan Ingram, and I'm still gonna rate you high. Yes.
0: Yeah, and I and I hope uh, you know, for his sake and fantasy football, he's able to stay healthy this year. Um, you know, I, another thing too, Jason Garrett coming in being the offense coordinator for Giants, I could just see heavy usage of the tight end, which we saw when they were in Dallas. Um, he was in Dallas, I should say. And, um, you know, so I think if Ingram can stay healthy, he is easily a top five uh, tight end this year and someone you'll want to have in your lineup. Uh, and then I have Tyler Higby um, for my sixth as well. Um, yeah, kind of uh, one of those players that really came on last year and um, really kind of had a breakout last part of that season and uh, can be able to. Can, Continue that forward. He's going to be someone that can
1: help you win a lot of a lot of fantasy football games. Yep, and uh, I'm really liking the direction of that offense and that shift to, you know, being more versatile. Where before there were three receiver sets and they really threw in a lot of that double tight end set. So um, number seven, we'll move on to our seven through nine. I have Darren Waller for the Raiders. And I really wanted to put Darren Waller higher because I actually had him on my fantasy football team last year. I used him with the last pick of the draft, almost the so second to last pick of the draft. And he was, you know, obviously way above expectations. He, I think the big knock on him was he got a lot of yards. He would get almost 100 yards a game. He just wouldn't score touchdowns. I think he had three touchdowns the whole year. So in his defense, I think his touchdowns might improve. But then they went and signed Jason Witten, who is a great red zone target, and made me kind of you know think that uh, think over that again to be like you know is Waller really going to be getting those touchdowns when you have Jason Witten, who's a known red zone threat, and so it might be back to just the Darren Waller you know between uh, between the twenties getting all the yardage and Jason Witten finishing up. Scoring the touchdowns, and you don't sign a Jason Witten to have him sit on the bench, so he's going to be used. And I, I, I'm actually high on Foster Moreau too. I thought he was pretty decent number two tight end. So you look at all those options there, and I just feel like that's going to be a decrease in Darren Waller's numbers that he had from last year. Uh, But the talent is there, so if he had all the opportunities, I would rate him way higher. I'm just scared about all those things right now, and with COVID and, and training camps being closed you know, I'm not getting the information that I want to, to rate him any higher. And number eight, uh, I it's a bit of a reach. It's a gamble, I'll admit. But I have Hayden Hurst for the Falcons. And we didn't see a lot of him with the Ravens because Mark Andrews kind of took over that tight end receiving position. And, you know, the Falcons traded for him to take over the uh, Austin Hooper role. And I think he's more athletic than Austin Hooper, so I, I think he can be actually more successful. But at the same time, um, you know, I really liked what Russell Gage did when Austin Hooper was hurt. So are they going to use the tight ends like they did before? Or are they going to incorporate more of the three-receiver set and try to use that slot receiver? Um, because they used Austin Hooper kind of as a slot receiver in uh, in that offense. So, um, But the potential is, is there. And if you can even get, you know, three-fourths of the volume of Austin Hooper – Uh, A number eight tight end right there is 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 about right whether uh, you know I I agree with Austin uh, or uh, Hayden Hurst being uh, at number eight or not I I feel like it's a good spot for him in regards to what the you know the the Falcons use the tight end position for in their offense Uh, at number nine I have Janu Smith for the Titans and this is my big guy I have him rated way higher than everybody else but I admit I'm not the only one that's using him as a sleeper this year and expects great things from him. You know, Delaney Walker has been a staple for the Titans for years. He's no longer there. Janu Smith, when uh, Delaney Walker was hurt, was used quite a bit, and he was way more athletic than Delaney Walker, and I really like his potential. He can break tackles. He can make people miss tackles, and I feel like the volume is going to be low just because of the Titans don't pass the ball a ton. But I think when he does get the ball, he's a threat to score every time. So I'm really high on him. I would say another thing that kind of gets me, uh, that kept me from rating Janu Smith higher is the fact that uh, Anthony Ferkser, who I didn't even know existed until last year, and Delaney Walker was hurt. But there was games where Janu Smith got you know a lot of yards between you know 70 to 100 yards receiving and he was uh uh he he got sniped a little bit by uh, Frickser on the touchdowns there's a couple games where Frickser got you know a couple touchdowns and another one where he got the touchdown and it's like man ride the guy that got you all the way down the field and and they didn't so um that's still fresh in my mind because I started him in a couple of the fan duel leagues where you know a touchdown would have really made the difference and and they went to anthony firxer so uh that aside i really expect big things from Janu smith this year what do you think well, i bro?
0: don't I, I don't have uh, Janu smith in my next group of three but i'm really high on him as well um one thing you forgot to mention that he can play tailback so you know they put him in at running back a few times and get let him run the ball so that's a good point um, you know that <laughs> <Yeah>. is correct <laughs> so, if you're worried about getting signed in tight ends. Hopefully, that you know Derek Henry needs a, a breather, and they can put him in at
1: running back. But but that's the um, problem, right? It's like, oh, we have Junior Smith who can play fullback. He's a, or halfback. He's a big guy, and then you're like, well, Derek Henry's just as big. <laughs> um,
0: but I, I'm 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 high in Smith as well. I think you'll have a big year. Um, so my seven through nine, um, I have Darren Waller at number seven. Um, again, one I wrestled with about you know wanting to put him higher. Um, but I have. Night nightmares um, in my mind of drafting Darren Waller and having the Las Vegas Raiders at the two-yard line, you know, doing play action to Jacobs rather than just giving the ball and then doing a little two-yard out to the Jason Witten, something we saw almost all the time in Dallas. So um, that's what gives me pause a bit, Darren Waller. Um, I have uh, Hunter Henry next at number eight. Um, Henry, to me, is similar to Ingram. I don't think he has the same – breakout or superstar potential, um, uh, but a, a very good tight end that unfortunately has struggled with injuries. And mm-hmm. I think that's really hampered his ability. Um, you know, but he's had a, you know, a, a very solid career at tight end. He's someone that puts in solid points when he's in there as a fantasy, um, tight end. And, um, I think he'll, he'll be consistent this year, you know, with Tyrod Taylor, at quarterback, and then Herbert, you know, I think that Tyrod has demonstrated, um, comfortability using the tight end, in the passing game, um, you know, relying on the tight end. I don't think that Tyrod Taylor is going to be the quarterback throughout the season. Um, I, I don't see that, you know, the chargers are going to be in a playoff race. And I think that at some point you invested in the first round pick and Herbert, you're going to want to see what he can do. And a lot of times the rookie quarterbacks tend to rely heavily on their tight ends. And so um, I have Hunter Henry at number eight. Um, and then number yeah, nine, um, this man. is where in this stretch of my picks here, um, similar to your Jonas Smith is that where I have people that I think that are really posed, uh, poised to have a, uh, you know, a, I don't want to say a breakout year, but um, really transition to be a, a prominent feature in the passing game in their respective teams, and that and I have no effect. Um We've talked a lot about Drew Locke, and I think that Drew Locke is going to have um, a very strong year. I think they're going to throw the ball around a lot. You know, KJ Hamler, um, his injury in Denver and how long he's gonna be out with that hamstring injury, I think it's more makes it even more than likely you're gonna see more of Noah Fant in the passing game. So I have Noah Fant number nine.
1: Not bad, because uh I have Noah Fant number ten. So <laughs> and for the same reasons you mentioned, I just uh I think Noah Fant's a big play tight end. Uh he didn't get a lot of volume either, but he really made the most of the targets that he got. And he's so athletic, he can he's a tight end that can take a Ten yard pass to the house, so I I like Noah Fan a lot, and I think he's another sleeper. Janu Smith and Noah Fan are my two favorite tight end targets for the draft, just because I think they have the most upside. They're the most athletic, and they could be guys that you can get later in the draft that can be uh, you know top eight production for you. So they're they're definitely worth gambling on. So I have Noah Phan at number ten. I, I I have Austin Hooper at number eleven, and the reason why I have Austin, I wanted to rank him lower, but he's in an offense that uses the tight end a lot. They signed him specifically to be their tight end when they had David uh, Joku. So obviously that means something. They have a plan for him and he's solid and consistent. I mean, he's unspectacular, but he was the number one tight end for most of the season last year. So you, you can't take that away from him. And again, with the Browns, I think doing a lot of play action and trying to do the, you know, try to work the run and, uh, take the pressure off of Baker Mayfield I think that bodes well for Austin Hooper uh, being at the tight end position for the Browns so I didn't want to rate him any I didn't want to rate him any lower than number 11 I actually think he might be rated a little bit lower than what he can produce I just uh, I have an issue with his athletic ability I don't think he's very athletic and so he's really scheme based and uh, so it's tough for me to to uh, to rank him off of that Number 12, I have your boy Hunter Henry for the Chargers. And for all the things you mentioned, I really like him. I agree, I think, for a rookie quarterback or even like a Tyrod Taylor, the tight end position is going to get a lot of targets. Hunter Henry is productive and he's good, uh, but he's just hurt all the time. And so if I'm going to be drafting Hunter Henry, I'm not drafting him thinking that he's going to be able to carry me through the season. So you're probably going to be drafting another tight end to compensate for the fact that he might be hurt. So I always rate those guys a little bit lower because, to be honest, if I can find a good tight end and only have one on my roster, then that's what I want to do. So I I usually don't like to carry two tight ends on a roster, and with Hunter Henry, I feel like you have to. And so that made me rate him a little bit lower. And, uh, yeah, I, I... for these rankings so far I, I feel like they're uh you know if, if you're drafting those are the uh, those are the people that you you want to target if you're, you're past you know Hunter Henry uh at that point you're going for you know upside and, and gambles what do you think Burke?
0: Yeah I think um you know Hunter Henry I'm had higher um but uh you know I, I I'm still in that role here where we talked about some players I think be prominent features uh their passing game um my number um 10 would be t.j hawkinson um i think that he was a, a rookie who looked very special early and then he sustained that uh, injury and he just he wasn't the same production one thing that concerns me is um some reports earlier that he said he's still kind of um you know not 100 percent with his ankle injury and so hopefully that resolves but um, he does have um you know, the the skill set to be a very special tight end and I think that Detroit drafted him with that in mind. And so if he's healthy, I could see Hawkinson playing a big role um in the uh, passing game in Detroit. And then uh number eleven I have Mike Jesusky Jaseski. I'm sorry. Um, I have him uh what's that? Jesicki. Yeah. I have him uh number eleven. You know, you look at the end of the year um with uh Fitzpatrick at quarterback, obviously um, threw the ball quite a bit to him. He was a very prominent feature. Um, very large, um, tall tight end that um, can catch his red, end, red zone targets in the fade route. So I, I see him as um, being one with Fitzpatrick starting the year. I would imagine going to be the starting quarterback to start. Still getting heavy um, target focus. And then same thing we talked about Herbert with Tua coming in. I could see Tua, um, you know, relying heavily on a, a tight end. And so I just see him as someone who could be a prominent role in that um, passing game, um, I, I feel more comfortable with the tight end than than some of the wide outs when you have a rookie quarterback. Um, mm-hmm. And then the 12th I have is Jonu Smith. I'm going to put him at running back. And then my <laughs> week, to put him at tight end. No, I'm just kidding, I have
1: Jonu uh, at number 12. Awesome. Well, and you know, it would be nice if... Uh... In the leagues, they would uh, do the slash uh, running back tight end. It was like back in the day when Marquise Colston was rated as a tight end, and you're like, I have the best tight end in the world. He's <laughs> um, like a number one receiver. Anyway, no, I uh, I like those picks. Uh, Hawkinson, obviously the best week one ever for a rookie, and then just faded off. So, you know, if he can even... Uh, Half of his week one consistently, you you have a good bargain there at tight end for where you're drafting him. So I I like those picks.
0: I'll go uh, to my 13. I'll do my next three here and Austin Hooper. It's kind of where you started this last round. I I I struggled putting Austin Hooper at 13. Um, You know, one of the best tight ends in fantasy football last year with the Atlanta Falcons. Um, You know, I think he's a great fit, just like you know we went through with him at Cleveland. Um, The only the only concern I have is just that, you know, new transition to a team, you still got David Njoku there, who I think is a talented tight end as well. Um, granted, he his performance hasn't quite met expectations in Cleveland, uh, but you got two tight ends that I think could play a pro- prominent role. Um, you know, I think that Austin Hooper is still that primary number one, but if things progress, as we have all anticipated and wanted um, Njoku in this upcoming year, it could bring Hooper down a little bit. So... Um, for that reason is why I have Hooper uh, down a little bit. Um, if I get him in the draft, though, I do feel pretty, uh, you know, confident that I got a tight end that I can play. And you know, I'm I'm like you. I don't like to carry multiple tight ends. Usually, when you're doing that, you're doing that only for a bye week. And if you have two outside of a bye week, that just means you have two bad tight ends, and you can't decide <laughs> which one to start each week.
1: That's exactly. And uh, no, I think with. Uh, you know you're taking Austin Hooper's kind of right on the money and you know Cleveland uh you got to kind of put some faith in the fact that they really know how to sign free agents in the offseason they win the offseason every year so they obviously know what they're doing right
0: right <laughs> <laughs> and then uh by next is uh Chris Herndon and uh I think you know last year he was one of the the targets for the tight end position someone that He was going to have a breakout year. Some of you wanted to get in your roster. Um, And, you know, suspension, injuries, all of those things just kind of derailed that season. And so, you know, those issues behind um, going forward, I think Herndon's a a quality tight end that you want to target. I think that the Jets are – I think they're going to be awful. I think they're going to be behind a lot, and I think they're going to throw the ball a lot. And I think he's going to be a consistent target um, in that passing game. So I think that uh, Herndon's a good add uh, for the tight end position. As we've talked about, there's a lot more depth in, in recent years, um, you know, at some of these positions. Uh, and then the Hayden Hurst I have here, and 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 I think that everything you went through is why you have Hayden Hurst higher. You know, I, I'm on board with that. You know, I'm the only, as far as a talent, you know, the, the, the fit with the Atlanta Falcons, if he's going to fit that similar role uh, that Hooper did. Um, but you know, one of the biggest things I have is just, you know, will the athleticism match production? You know, because Kind of look for that in Baltimore and just seem to struggle to make an impact. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's always that potential versus produ- production talk. And I'm just hope I, I want to see some production at the tight end position before I'm ready to put them up to, uh, you know, any higher than where I have them right now.
1: No, I, I feel you. And uh, just wait for my Chris Herndon ranking because I have a whole story behind the Chris Herndon ranking. And, yeah. uh, no, anyways, uh, my 13. I have Rob Gronkowski for the Buccaneers, and I hated to put him this high, but his he has a rapport with Tom Brady as a red zone target. I know OJ Howard's starting and he's gonna be probably the guy between the twenties getting the yards, but I just feel like Gronkowski is going to be the guy that's uh <clears throat> excuse me, that's going to be getting all the red zone targets. And if you can get a lot of touchdowns, uh at tight end, you're at least in the top 13 because, again, the the position is usually so barren. So I, I couldn't put him any lower. I just feel like he's going to be that guy. He's going to be a favorite of Tom Brady. But I do also know that he's old. He's already was retired, and he's not going to be the Gronkowski that we know and love from previous. So I, I feel like even have him at 13... Um, is about right where everyone else has them because I feel like a lot of people have really high expectations for him and maybe not realistic in the fact that it takes a while to get into a football condition again. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of weapons at Tampa Bay, so it's not necessarily going to be the Rob Gronkowski show that we've seen before. And number 14, this is my big sleeper. I don't even think he's rated in anyone else's tight end rankings. And he's actually not even really a tight end, to be honest. But he's listed as a tight end in a lot of fantasy football uh, websites. I have Taysom Hill from the Saints. And the reason for that is he might throw you a touchdown. And depending on your league scoring, that's four or six points for the touchdown throw. He'll be a goal line back and run it in from the goal line and get you six points. He'll, you know, catch the ball from the tight end position. You don't know what you're going to get from him. And I just feel like before he was restricted because he was a backup quarterback. And so you didn't really want to put him in a lot of situations where you're using him a lot because if he got hurt and then Breeze got hurt, you're really screwed. They signed Jameis Winston to be the backup quarterback. So I feel like, especially now that they signed him to this new contract, Taysom Hill has free reign to be Taysom Hill and they're going to use him all over the field. So, I mean, if you have uh, kick return yards and he happens to be returning kicks and he scores, I mean, there's just a lot of options for him. And so I feel like as a 14th ranked tight end, um, by the end of the year, it's going to be quietly like, man, he actually was a big producer uh, at that position. And at some places he might even be a quarterback slash tight end uh. Slot. So, if you're able to put him at quarterback for two ty- two quarterback leagues, um, obviously you want to be pretty sure that he's going to be playing a lot. But uh, that might not be a, a bad strategy if you're on a uh, you know having troubles on the bye week. Um, on top of that, after that, I have Mike Gasicki for the Dolphins at 15 because I love the guy. I think he's athletic. He's tall. He's hard to guard. He just happens to play for the Dolphins. Um, I like Fitzpatrick a lot, though and he's one of the few weapons that Fitzpatrick has, so I really feel like, you know, especially at the end of last year, he really performed to what we were expecting, so I think he can carry that over to this year. I just couldn't put him any higher just for the fact that uh, the Dolphins offense was just so bad last year, and it was, it was a tough watch, and um, the the targets weren't consistent. I, I really like your uh,
0: and Hill pick. Um, you know, I think that that's one that isn't on the radar for a lot of rankings and someone that maybe get passing yardage for you rushing yardage heck if you're even defensively the defensive league he's still doing any coverage on kickoff or punt yeah gonna get you a couple tactics too. well and
1: i'll put it out here too i'll uh you know if he ends up producing and being a big asset for fantasy football i will be bragging about that um if he Falls on his face and is horrible and is a non-factor, then I will also own that. So that's my first own of the uh, season for fantasy football. Is Taysom Hill will be a factor in fantasy football, and if he's not, you'll hear me on the podcast later on saying how wrong I was. But I like to stick my neck out for some guys every once in a while, and uh, I feel like I'm right more often than I'm wrong. And I'm banking on this one to be right.
0: All right, if we have it down.
1: Yep, mark it down. We need to talk about it later. Um, All right, so
0: my uh my next round of pick, so um at number sixteen, so I have Rob Gronkowski. Um yeah. I ideally I would like to see him a little bit higher, but I think that um as you mentioned, a lot of weapons in um, Tampa. I think he's gonna be a red zone target. I see those red zone targets being Gronkowski and Goblin. Um I see a you know, not a significant yardage contribution from Gronkowski this year, but definitely red zone. But if someone who him consistently get those red zone targets and touchdown and would be a you know a a strong addition to your team Um, now that the next two that I have I have Jack Doyle and then I have Jared Cook I have Jack Doyle just because um, you know he's always been just kind of a consistent performer at tight end and um, you know now with Philip Rivers uh, we know his affinity for tight ends and I see that Jake I'm sorry Jack Doyle will continue to have um, you know a role as a tight end and someone who can you know, put up some you know decent points when it comes to a bi week or has a good matchup when you're trying to fill up you know a waiver position or a bi week position. And then Jared Cook, um, you know, Jared Cook had a, a really good year last year. I think he has a lot of potential. The hard part for me is that he's just wildly inconsistent. Um, so many weapons that you have in New Orleans with Michael Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, um, Taysom Hill, right? You got Alvin El- Kamara. Mm-hmm. That it's. It's going to be confused or I I wouldn't be surprised to see one week where he's got two touchdowns and then he doesn't score anything for the next three weeks. And not just score anything. I'm not just talking about touchdowns. I'm just saying that hardly puts up any catches, any reception. So not something I want to roll with um, throughout the season is that I'm going to get a tight end that I hope he gets a point, you know, or more than two two points over a three-game stretch. So, um, But, you know, I think he still has that potential and someone that I'd be willing to – put
1: at number 18 overall nice well um my 16 is tj hawkinson and we've already kind of talked about him and i like hawkinson i feel like you know that injury kind of hampered him last year he has a lot of potential uh it was kind of concerning to me he had such a big week one and then just dropped off the face of the earth though and it's the lions lions have You know, even though they're a bad football team, they do have a lot of receiving options, so he's one of, like, you know, four receivers. He might even be the fourth option in that offense. So it was hard for me to put him any higher. Uh, I I do like the talent of T.J. Hawkinson. Uh, I just feel like with everyone else I ranked higher, I just liked their upside more than Hawkinson. I have Jared Cook at number 17 for the Saints, and, you know, we all... Me and you, Burke, I think we're both kind of biting our tongue with Jared Cooks. I think he's not going to have a good season. He's rated really high. People are high on him. I'm not seeing it. I feel like there's too many receiving options. Um, you meant, We mentioned Taysom Hill, who I have higher. Uh, I feel like he's going to be more of a red zone threat, and I don't see where cook really fits into their offense where he's going to be consistent i mean i think you're banking on him scoring a touchdown week to week and that's not really a place i want to be um i wanted to bring him higher than 17 but i can't i mean he's probably ranked out of all you know he, he's ranked like a top eight to six tight end in some rankings and i just don't see it and i i like jared cook i think he's a good tight end i mean he proved it with the raiders but uh i was actually even concerned last year with his usage for the saints uh it kind of proved to me last year that you know he is uh not going to get a ton of targets and he needs to make the most of them and i'm I'm kind of out on him in that regard so if you can get him you know as a 17th tight end i think he's worth the risk and and, and you should take him But uh, I wouldn't be banking on him as a top 10 tight end to uh, carry your football team at that position. And then uh, after Jared Cook, I have uh, Dallas uh, Goddard, Goddard, however you pronounce it, for the Eagles. He's kind of sneaky because you never want to start him because Zach Ertz is there. But he's always sneaking touchdowns. And he, he actually has some games where he's actually more productive than Zach Ertz. It's just really tough trying to figure out which those you know which one of those games it's going to be, but as the 18th tight end, I really think he's a value because you know again with the Eagles' receiver position, even this year, I feel like they have more uh, talent at receiver. They still have the injury problems. You know, Jeffrey's not back yet. Um, you have Deshaun Jackson. Uh, Deshaun Jackson's not. Uh, you know, he played one game last year. Um, so I, I really feel like they're, you know, when that happens, they rely on their tight ends a lot more. So he's definitely worth, you know, being in the top 20 conversation for me. And, uh, I'm just going to go on, uh, you know, finish out my top 20, uh, at 19, I have Chris Herndon and I really want to jump into the Chris Herndon, uh, at 19 ranking because of my story I have. So all last year I was high on Chris Herndon. I had him built up like, man, he's going to be the jets, you know, hope for their offense he's really going to make Sam Darnold's job easier and then he was hurt and he was hurt and you know he's on the IR and like well keep tabs on him because he's going to come back and so I actually made a trade I had Zach Ertz and I traded him for Joe Mixon so I'm not totally upset about that because Mixon ended up coming on during the second half I bought him really low but I traded Ertz under the assumption that Herndon was coming back from IR and he did But then he didn't play. And then, after he didn't play, he played like five plays and got hurt. And then he was just hurt the rest of the year and didn't really play. And so my whole strategy on trading Zach Ertz was the hopes that Chris Herndon would come back and play. And he really didn't. And I didn't get Chris Herndon. My strategy was foiled. And I blame Chris Herndon. And now I blame him on my rankings because now he's number 19 instead of being higher. And I do like your points about him being one of the Jets' threats. They're probably going to be behind a lot uh, because I don't trust Adam Gase to have a winning football team. And so they're going to pass a lot. And Chris Herndon is one of the few weapons that they have outside of Crowder and Perryman. So I, I like Herndon at number 19. I think he's worth a risk because he has great upside. And then at number 20, I have the old man, Everyone's forgotten about him because he's been hurt and he's been he's on a new team. Greg Olson with the Seahawks. Seahawks use their tight end like no other. You look at Disley, uh you look at Hollister, um, you know, when he's not buying clothes, he's catching touchdown passes. And Olson is a great receiving tight end. He's a great blocking tight end, he's a great tight end in general, and so I don't see him going to Seattle and falling off, and I really think like his lack of production was mostly because of his injury last year. And so uh, I, I don't think the you know his age is a factor and a drop-off in his production, and so I feel like he's going to actually be more productive than he was with Carolina in the Seahawks offense. So I think he's someone you definitely should gamble on late in the draft, and he can maybe be one of those guys that's a difference maker in your league.
0: Yeah, I have Olson um, at twenty as well. I I think he is someone that everybody's forgotten about, and I think he's a good fit for that system, like you said. And injuries in the quarterback play last year, I think, really affected his performance or his production. But I think uh, he's someone that fits very well in Seattle, and the way they use the tight end, I think he could be, you know, one of those productive tight ends that you don't see coming or that most don't see coming. But yeah, I have him at twenty as well. Um, the, so the only difference for my nineteen is uh, I have Blake Jarwin. Um, now, you know, if passing into Dallas, you know, has a chance to, to get a fair amount of targets. Um, obviously, you know, when you have Ezekiel Elliott play actually pretty is, is effective, and I think that Jarwin could be, you know, a, a decent contributor at the tight end position. Um, I see some rankings have him high, um, anywhere from nine up to 13, uh, but it just, that's too high for me, given the fact that all the left they have the receiving, mm-hmm. the receivers, Um, I just, I can't see a big target share for Blake Jarwin, so, um, you know, I think he could be a contributor this year, uh, but I can't get him any higher than 19.
1: He's, yeah, and he's actually getting a lot of uh, recent hype in regards to what he can do at Dallas, and I agree he has a lot of upside, and I, uh, now that he's not splitting targets with Jason Witten, he, uh, you know... I feel like he can be productive. I'm just watching Jarwin, man. I feel like he's a he's a blocking tight end that's fit into the Dallas system to catch passes. Like I don't see a lot of athleticism with him, and it's hard to be excited about him. But he's, you know, some of your draft picks aren't sexy picks where you're excited about them, and they can just be, you know, just as productive. So I mean, you still need to win with those type of of draft picks, and uh, Jarwin fits that bill for me. So um, I think that's about it for our our tight end position. We'll move on to the running backs uh, coming up right now. In this segment, we're going to be talking about COVID and the season ahead just because it's going to change your strategy a little bit with everything going on. You know, is there going to be a season? Is there not going to be a season? you know the NFL is pretty bullish i think there's going to be the whole season and even if games are altered a little bit with scheduling they're going to uh march through and uh get all the games in and in the time frame that they want cuz you know this is the NFL and you know everyone thought they were crazy when they did the NFL draft at the regular time and it actually went off without uh, any issues and was really entertaining, and it's what the country needed at the time with uh, you know sports being canceled. So I'm I'm not looking at the season that's going to be canceled. Uh, some of the things that I want to talk about in regards to the COVID uh, season is first off with our league, we you know our admission fees were lowering a little bit. So we have a lot of people that are nervous about playing, you know, I'm going to spend all this money on fantasy football, and then there's not a season, what happens to my money? Uh, a couple things that uh, can happen is, one, you uh, if the season were to be canceled or postponed, you can uh, take the money that everyone put in and roll it over to the next season. That way, the money's not lost, and... Uh, you don't have to give the money back, and you know, it'll make the next year's pot even that much sweeter with uh, money that's been already spent for this season. I also, uh, when you're drafting, I think it's a good idea to draft for depth. And what I mean by that is, I usually only draft one quarterback, especially if I have a good one. If I have a bad one, I'll have to, but in this instance with COVID, you might want to draft two or three quarterbacks, just because if something were to happen to your quarterback, uh, that's a hard position to replace, and especially when you're trying to fill it uh, pretty quickly uh, on a game day. So... It's already better to have that in-house, where you have that option to just throw someone else in there instead of trying to pick them up. And that's the same for tight end as well. Defenses, usually only have one. I mean, you can still keep it because we are going to have a defense, but I mean, if you have three or four players out on a defense, that can greatly uh, limit how great the defense you're playing is. So I think, you know, with any of the positions, you know, kicker, if you have a kicker, I- I'm I don't like the kicker. I actually have it in our league, but I'm not a fan of it. But you might want to draft a couple of kickers just because like I said that depth and uh you want to make sure you're always putting the uh, the best roster out on the you know from week to week uh, on your team. So it's uh it's something to think about. You know, I have my homes and so I normally wouldn't draft a quarterback and with having said that, you know, this is a keeper league, I am probably going to, if if not late, just because uh, I don't want, you know, if something happens in Mahomes, I want a, a good option to to replace those points that he would get, because Mahomes is going to win you a lot of weeks, and to lose that, especially for something like COVID, um, it's it's going to be tough. And in saying that, I think uh, what I'm hearing from some leagues too is just having bigger rosters. So instead of having, you know, the 14, 15, 16 man rosters, people are opening it up to like 20, 22 man rosters, which I get, that's always an option. That way you don't have to worry about losing too many players at once where you're not able to fill your your roster. Um, We... If you have IR slots, IR slots is a good thing to uh, have. You know, at least a couple of them where it, they don't have to necessarily be on IR. But you know, if they're week to week, or uh, you know, I'm going to miss a couple weeks, that so they can still be in that slot. And, and I say that because COVID players are probably going to miss a couple weeks if if they get uh, if they get it. And usually, IR slots are only for those players that go to IR. So you might want to lacks the rules a little bit. Now, I'm not saying anyone that pulls a hamstring or a groin and, you know, place someone on IR so you can hoard players on the roster. Uh, just it has to be specific to COVID. And uh, if you can rule something out like that in your league, that's uh, something that I would highly recommend. I uh, also just think, you know, waivers, keeping the the waivers open. Usually... You know sunday morning before the game starts uh, you can pick up anyone you want that's left and then they lock until you know tuesday or even wednesday uh, in some leagues and i think it needs to be more fluid this year with with covid because if you have a guy that's you know playing a two o'clock game or you know a one o'clock game depending on what time uh, zone you're in um and he's you know, he he gets COVID and you've already planned on starting him, it, it kind of limits your sp- spots of people that you can put in there because if most of your people played in the morning, you know, you're really going to have to scramble to find someone that's relevant, that can play, uh, available to play. And if it's a Monday night game, that even makes it harder. Uh, Monday night comes around and your running back or quarterback, receiver, you know, they get COVID and, or at least tested positive and they're not able to play, how are you going to scramble for Monday night? And I think that's going to even, uh, you know, that's going to be a strategy you have to determine. You know, if you have a player on Monday night, are you going to risk that and and still try to play them on that Monday night game? You, you really need to be thinking about backup options in case something happens like that where you're not going to be able to uh, to put them in that lineup on that Monday. So, you know, having the waivers open is, I think, huge for this season, because it's going to take away some of those issues that you're going to have with those uh, those those problems that come up and uh, kind of make it easier for players trying to navigate through this uh this season and, and you know being able to put up competitive rosters and I think that's the key thing is you want people to have competitive rosters and you want this to be fun and if you keep your same rules and you know, this isn't a normal season, so uh, I think, you know, you don't want the rules to be normal uh, or, or what you've had in the past because you, you really want to be flexible and being able to meet everyone's needs. And, again, I think it needs to be related to COVID. So, again, if some guy pulls a groin on Monday night or, uh, you know, the, the later games, that's just something that always happens that you know there shouldn't be any accommodations for that, but definitely for COVID, I think you need to be a little, a little more flexible and and uh, come up with these things. And you know maybe you need to have smaller leagues instead of 12. You, you know you have 10 man leagues, uh, so the the player pool is is better than uh, what it would be for a 12 uh, team league. So it's just something to consider and think about. And it's we definitely want to have this conversation because. You know, we're, we're, we're talking like it's a regular season, and I get that. I don't want to, uh, you know, change my whole strategy or talk about players based off of, uh, of the, the COVID season. But uh, it's definitely something that you have to plan for, and, and you really want to uh, keep that in mind when you're drafting or making your roster decisions from week to week. So COVID, not a good thing, and it's, uh, it's going to make the uh, fantasy football uh, year pretty challenging for everybody. We did it. We finished. This is the end of the podcast, and we appreciate you listening to Burke and Miz the Wiz Montalban, the fantasy football podcast. We will be back again in a couple days going over the running backs. We appreciate you tuning in and look forward to the next time. So stay tuned and keep getting your fantasy football information right here with Burke and Miz the Wiz Montalban. Take care.